Hello and welcome to the UN Forest Podcast episode on urban forest. I am Stefano Boeri, I'm an architect, founder of Stefano Boeri Architetti, and I'm also a professor of urban planning at the Polytechno University in Milano and president of the Scientific Committee of Forestomy, the urban forestation project in the Milan metropolitan area. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for our topic today. As an architect and, and as an urban planner, I know the value of trees in cities. Truly, trees belong in cities, yet many cities and towns need a lot more trees than they have today. Every year, as cities across the globe get bigger, we lose too many trees and too much green space to build this infrastructure. Italy, for example, loses two square meters of soil every second. And the United States, 36 million trees are lost every year to urban sprawl. We urgently, urgently need a new approach to urban development that is more balanced, facilitating urban development while also ensuring we have adequate and healthy green space and trees in cities. Urban and peri-urban forests, which include all trees in cities, are the foundation of sustainable and resilient cities and towns where residents can live happy, healthy, and productive lives. All the advances of modern technology cannot replace them. But as we balance city growth and sustainable development, is there enough space to maintain and bring forests back to our cities? Personally, I know it is possible and we have many good options to do so. With the first vertical forest in Milano and other that we as Stefano Boeri Architetti are designing in other parts of the world, we wanted to show how it is possible to bring trees and biodiversity into our homes and cities. I'm also very encouraged since many cities and towns have integrated urban forestry projects programs and objectives into their plans and work in recent years. Milan, for instance, committed to plant 3 million trees by 2030. Well, why do we need more trees in cities? Trees and green space can create healthier, more livable and more sustainable cities. This is true for parks, street trees, and large green area just as it is for a single tree or green roof. It turns out that well-placed urban trees can reduce atmospheric temperature by up to 8 degrees, cooling our city and shading our streets. Shade can also bring new life into the street, attracting shoppers, diners, and tourists even in the hot summer months, preserving vibrant neighborhoods for the future. Shade also reduces the needs for air conditioning, reducing cost and greenhouse gas emission from energy generation. Urban forestry must be a priority also to tackle climate change. Tree-lined streets also significantly reduce air and noise pollution in nearby homes. They also provide space for recreation and community. Not only do urban trees clean the air breath, they also calm us, ease our stress and anxiety, and stabilize our blood pressure. In short, trees in our vicinity make us feel better and healthier. Urban forests can include fruit trees and be part of a network of community gardens, orchards, home gardens, and green roofs that provide fresh, nutritious food to local households and markets. This provides a young and old with a stronger connection to nature and agriculture, even those living in a dense metropolis. 
In other words, just like humans cannot live without lungs, cities cannot live without green spaces. And it's critical that urban trees and forests be accessible to all, not just to concentrate in wealthy neighborhoods and shopping districts. We need urban forests for all, regardless of income or status. Currently, most cities have a long way to go. So I'm very happy to welcome our listener of today's podcast, during which we will explore what cities can do to expand and improve existing urban forests and unlock benefits for today and for generations to come. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today, Professor Cecil Conendijk. Professor Conendijk is a world-renowned urban forestry researcher and practitioner and co-founder of the Natural Based Solution Institute. He has supported cities around the globe to develop urban forestry master plan and has developed and contributed to numerous international standard and guidance documents on urban forestry practice and policy. Professor Conendijk, welcome. Good morning. I'm really delighted to be here. Professor, I just gave some example of the many benefits of urban forest, yet I would argue that most of our cities do not have enough urban and pre-urban tree and forest cover. Do you agree with this? Indeed, urban forests have, uh, have many benefits. And we also know, unfortunately, that many cities across the world don't really have good canopy cover. Uh, in the Netherlands, where I'm based at the moment, uh, the average municipality canopy cover is only 16%. If you go to cities in the Middle East, East or parts of Africa and so, we're often way uh, below 10%. Uh, and, and even many of the, the world's largest cities uh, have difficulties meeting pretty decent canopy standards. So we know this is really an issue. Um, how can we make sure that even in the densest of, of city areas and also those cities that are maybe less planned, we ensure that canopy cover is decent? It is true, of course, if we don't do that, if we don't bring canopy, crown volume, trees, green spaces to people, to all people in cities, then these people really will miss out on uh, some essential benefits. Uh, and you already mentioned things like climate adaptation, public health issues, uh, our chances to interact with nature and, and to see biodiversity in the places where we live. Those are all really important things. And we see that yeah, if we don't bring canopy to people, trees to people, forests to people, um, we're going to see that those benefits are not delivered. And that's really a missed opportunity because green trees, they're typically also multifunctional, right? So they will present provide many benefits at the same time as well. And then in general, we people, we, we mostly like trees. We have trees in our genes, as it were. We come from the trees and we really want to have trees close to us. It's, there are, of course, ways of trying to, to bring trees more um, to the fore, higher on political agendas, also more into public opinion. And one of the things I've worked with during the last about two years now is the so-called 330-300 rules for greener and healthier cities. Um, this is an evidence-based rule, really building on some of the latest research, but also some of the recommendations uh, by the World Health Organization and others that promotes the proximity of high-quality green space to people. Uh, to break it down, everybody should be able to see at least three trees from the window of their homes, but also the places where they work and go to school. And these trees should be really decent-sized, mature trees, so larger trees, because we know these give, give most of the benefits. 
then every neighborhood should have at least 30% canopy cover. Um, and this will really help, as we know from research, in, uh, in providing cooling, in providing mental health benefits, but also helping people to, to be more out and meet their neighbors at a more regular basis. And 30% is really an, a minimum. And this is, as I mentioned, at the neighborhood level, not at the city level, because city averages don't really reflect uh, the need to, to provide green spaces and canopy to everybody, also in the more vulnerable neighborhoods. And then finally, the 300 part refers to all of us having a high quality public green space within 300 meters from where we live. Um, and this actually is not just any public green space, but it should be a public green space that has a decent size, maybe 0.5, 1 hectares, um, and actually also offers the opportunity to, have, to do different things, to experience nature, to maybe play, to walk, to walk the dog, uh, to meet friends. So it should not be a multifunctional a piece of grass uh, should really be a space that offers uh, multiple opportunities. And actually combining 330-300 as proposed by the 330-300 rule uh, will then hit many boxes, promote climate and health benefits, uh, provide connectivity in neighborhoods, brings everybody close to nature. And I think that's one of the strengths of this concept, which of course is also very, very easy to remember as 330-300, uh, the number of three uh, and the, the, the link to the word tree all help, I guess, uh, bringing this home to, uh, to many different audiences. 30% cover is well above the current situation in many cities today. The increasing heat in our cities that droves that has affected our city in recent years are simply a reminder. We must not waste one more minute in filling our city with plants, replacing parking lots with rows of trees, making loans on flat roofs surrounding city with orbital forests and cross them with green corridors. Wherever possible, we need trees, shrubs, creepers that shade the places where we live and shelter us from the sun, that absorb the poison produced by traffic, that transform carbon dioxide, cities produce 75% of the total, into oxygen. Urban forestation is not an option, but the most effective, cost-effective, inclusive choice to counter the effects and root causes of climate change. The vertical forest is just one way to forest our city, and we, as a studio, are working towards urban forestation also with master plan and vision, such as Tirana 2030 of Cancun's Smart Forest City in Mexico, that include sustainable solutions in order to be an effective answer to the climate challenges of recent years. Do you agree on this? What is your opinion? Indeed, the question I often get is, well, you know, is this really realistic? Can we bring uh, canopies uh, to people? Can we expand green space areas across cities that are often already very dense, where, there are many, where there's a lot of competition for land, the use of land, where there's a lot of interest? Well, first of all, I think we need to, we have to, because we know that if we don't do it and we don't radically green and change our cities, we're going to be in a very, very uh, tight spot in the near future, for example, in terms of climate, but also public health. And I think the COVID pandemic has already shown us how important it is that we have green nearby. Uh, but, but really what we need is, is a strategic approach. We have to think this through carefully. Um, of course, it's a lot of um, focus on bottom-up, neighborhood-based activities, but we also need strategies, we need policies, we need legislation. Uh, so we see examples now of cities across the world adopting 330-300 in their strategies, and their green strategies, but actually also in some cases making it part of the general city plan, the general master plan, which actually starts putting spatial uh, requirements to, for example, new developments. Uh, and I think in this way, if you start uh, building a, 
both a top-down and a bottom-up approach, where you actually link those many different initiatives to strong strategies, to legislation, to uh, support schemes um, that are supported by many different stakeholders, then you'd probably be more successful in um, in bringing these urban greening, urban forestry programs uh, to success, uh, to, to home to all of us. Um, this is really also related then to bringing the, you know, the many environmental, social, and economic uh, benefits of, of trees and forests and green spaces home to people. So we have to really do this in a comprehensive and integrative way that brings on board uh, the key players that we have in cities. And these include, of course, city governments. They include uh, green departments, but also, for example, health departments and planning departments and infrastructure um, and people, uh, community groups, not-for-profits, but of course also residents that can take a lot of action uh, in their street, maybe even in their own garden, if they have uh, have that uh, opportunity to do so as well. Now, this is, of course, all wonderful. And we, we know the recipe to some extent. How can we make urban forestry programs really work? Uh, but of course, this also has to come with commitment, with political drive. This has to come with long-term planning. It also has to come with funding, with resources. Um, and here, of course, there are opportunities now through funding that's being channeled into climate action, uh, funding that comes to public health promotion, Funding that goes also to economic competitiveness and city branding. Um, but it's really important that urban forestry does get uh, sufficient resources. We see in many cities today that the budget for trees and green spaces is often below 1% of the city budget. Um, some of my colleagues at the Arbor Day Foundation have suggested that we should go up to 3% of city budgets for green. Um, and given climate and health agendas, uh, this may not be unrealistic. And it would be put, put another 3 into the 3300 3, rule as well. I also think on the other end that cities do have a lot of resources. Uh, it's sometimes also a question of prioritization or maybe reallocation, uh, using some of the funding they have more efficiently, maybe pooling it also with, with, uh, with, with companies, with resident groups that have uh, shared interests. So I think uh, apart from bringing more funds to urban forestry, it's also about really using the existing funds in clever and effective ways. And here, of course, we also have to really think about who is going to to bear the benefit, get the benefits and bear the costs and make sure that we divide these equally and, and fairly over our cities as well. Let's dive deeper into this point. What can cities do, in your opinion? How can they expand and improve existing urban forests and make sure they live for a long time? Yeah, really great question, of course. What can cities do, right? What, what, what can we do tomorrow, today even, uh, as the best time to, to plant a tree is, uh, of course, was yesterday or even further ago. So I would say the real key priority for cities is to protect what they have. So take the existing green spaces, the existing trees very seriously. We see too often, uh, both in the global south, but also in, in uh, the global north, that um, a lot of trees are being lost to development, to uh, new infrastructure. Um, and this is sometimes uh, trees on, on public land, public property. But, but more often even it's on private properties, on, in people's gardens and people's plots. As we expand our houses or we want to maybe build a garage or maybe feel the tree is creating too much shade in our garden, we remove those big trees. And research shows that actually conserving the trees we have, letting them grow old and big, is the best way to provide uh, more, more ecosystem services in cities as well. So before we start thinking about you know, planting a lot of new trees, which we also have to do, it's really about appropriate conservation, good management of trees, both on public and private land. And again, then building these into this long-term programs for sustainable urban and peri-urban forestry that we, uh, we so much need. So yeah, take care of what we have first, make sure we know what we have, map it, uh, protect it, conserve it, develop it where we can, 
And this would really then be the base for a good urban forestry program. When we have that in place, when we, we know what we have and we want to protect it, then really the next step is to develop good uh, strategies and plans. And I have to say my experience um, with so-called urban forest master plans is actually really good because master plans are really between kind of overall policy and principles for urban forestry and the more day-to-day uh, maintenance and operational um, issues. So we see many cities have some kind of tree policy, which is often pretty general. Uh, many cities also have uh, some kind of maintenance and management plans. But we often lack kind of a long-term framework that drives and connects these two. Uh, and in an urban forest master plan, you typically have um, not only objectives and, and a vision, but you also have a set of what we call key performance indicators that, uh, that state you know, your long-term targets for the urban forest. What do you want to achieve, for example, in, canopy, in terms of canopy cover? How do you want to divide it over the city? Uh, what kind of ecosystem services do you want to provide? At what level? How, many, um, how do you want to involve people? Can you measure that in some ways as well? How do you create a more diverse urban forest by enhancing uh, the number of species you have in your urban forest? So all, these are all really things that you can capture in the master plan. Um, and cities in North America, as well as cities like Birmingham in the UK, They've actually started, uh, have prepared these plans. And I've seen also from my experience with some of these planning processes that not only do these raise um, political attention and actually generate new funding, they also really help uh, to give urban foresters um, good tools to, to manage their programs, to monitor the programs, and to also really know what, yeah, what the, the road to success is for them. And I, I think that long-term perspective and that very specific and operational side of master plans is really crucial. So we know then that priority is to protect what we have, right? To know what we have as well, to develop master plans that set clear targets, uh, clear um, keep, uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. Um, also define what are the roles and responsibilities of the green space department, of the urban foresters working for the city, but also of other actors. I mean, the master plan should not be only really delivered on uh, by municipal green space managers. There could be other players as well. And also very importantly, a master plan not only looks at publicly owned trees in cities, but also looks at um, trees, woodlands, and so that is on private properties and sees the importance of these in contributing to the city's overall forest, uh, urban forest. And here, of course, yeah, the benefits are not, uh, they won't follow uh, just um, the ownership uh, boundaries, of course. They will be provided by trees and forest everywhere. So it's really important that we bring those in as well. And then the final step in this process, of course, is that we really ensure this longer term management and maintenance of the urban forest, that we make sure uh, that this is done properly, that we use the, the latest technology, the latest knowledge, that there's a clear strategic approach to doing it rather than crisis management, where we just uh, respond to, to uh, issues with trees, uh, make sure that our trees are healthier, our urban forest is healthier, more resilient. And in that sense, on the longer term, will also be able to provide uh, yeah, the benefits of these urban forests in a much more solid, much more sound, a much more inclusive way. So I think all of this together will really help us to build sustainable programs for urban imperial and forestry across the world. Professor Cecil Kollendijk, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I was born and raised in Milano during the 60s and 70s, so I witnessed it firsthand as an inspired buildings and roads replaces the parks and green spaces where I once used to play. I have seen what happens when we do not value and protect the natural sphere. And while I'm proud of my work to help for a forest Milano and other cities across Italy and the world, 
it would have been a lot easier and cheaper to sustainably manage the woods and forests that existed when I was a child. It's my hope that our children and grandchildren grow up in a world with progressively more high-quality green spaces. Luckily, many of our cities are changing for the better. We are seeing a renewed appreciation for our existing trees and parks, while new green spaces, vertical forest, tree, bushes and parks are slowly, slowly changing the cityscape. Often this change is driven by engaged citizens. And while I am encouraged to see mentality starting to shift, most cities still need to significantly expand urban forest cover if they hope to achieve Cecil pre-3300 rules. A lot of hard work remains to turn this vision into reality. In this, city planners and architects play a central role. Public participation is fundamental for the success of urban forest project, and I invite you, all of you, our listener, to do your part to grow and care for trees and forests on your property and in your community. For example, there may be opportunity to organize with your neighbors, help manage a community forest or contribute to a local tree planting project. And if you share my passion, please share the importance of urban forestry with your friends, your family, your neighbors and your political representatives. Out message is clear. We need trees in cities. To learn more about what we can do for the final segment of our podcast, I'm now, I'm now pleased to welcome Mrs. Liliana Novazi-Jakob, Chief of the UNICE FAO Forestry and Timber Section. Mrs. Novazi-Jakob, could you briefly tell us more about your work and UNICE's recommendation to promote urban forests? Thank you very much, Mr. Bueri. I'm very pleased to join you today. And on behalf of the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe, a huge thank you to you and Professor Cecil Koneiderdijk for your insights today. We at UNEC believe that trees work, that forests in and around cities are a solution that can help us achieve the Sustainable Development Goals, the Paris Agreement, and many other global, national, and local goals. And this is why I particularly appreciate Cecil's 330-300 rule. 
It emphasizes that we need our tree cover to be for all so that we can all benefit equitably already when green spaces are in the planning. At UNEC, we're working to increase awareness of the financial, social, environmental, and the health benefits of urban forests, trees, and green spaces. We build capacity and provide resources to plant and act at the national and local levels. We highlight the importance of clear urban forestry policies and mandates at all levels of government, local and national, and all this, of course, matched by budget and resources. I invite you, our listener, to join us on our journey to green cities. We at ECE keep track of those green cities in our Trees in Cities Challenge, the global campaign launched by UNECE to grow an international community for a greener, healthier, and more resilient environment for all of us. Green cities are the foundation of sustainable and prosperous communities, and together we can achieve better cities for a better future. Allow me to thank the Swiss Federal Office for the Environment for making this recording possible. And I thank you all for joining us today in the UN's Forest Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.